Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez, and I'm happy to report that right now you can order my book. That's right. I wrote a book. It's called That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore on the Death and Rebirth of Comedy. Follow the link in the description or head over to Amazon and search for Lou Perez. That joke isn't funny anymore. If you want other options on how you can buy my book, please sign up for my newsletter at theluperez.com. You could also join my community at theluperez.locals.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave a five-star review, that would be amazing. Whether you're a long-time listener or first-time, five-star reviews are lovely. If you're looking for other ways you can support me, you could do so by supporting my sponsors. If you're into CBD products, please check out PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Use promo code Lou to get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you like cold brew, check out Black Organic Cold Brew at www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code Lou for free shipping. All right, let's go. Very fortunate to be joined by Katie Herzog. You might know Katie from her uh, amazing podcast, Locked and Recorded, or maybe follow her on Twitter. And that's how I first found her, and uh, I think she's awesome. And Katie, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Glad to see you, Lou. Um, can I uh, can I reveal a dirty secret of yours that I just learned on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. You have a Yahoo email address. I I do. Um, I think you're the that, last one, you and I, maybe I, my, my grandparents and they're dead. So it's just you. I feel like, yeah. You know, and I think the last person with a hot mail, yeah. uh, just passed away. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, very retro. I am. Well, I'm a creature. I, I think I'm a creature of habit. Like I've had the same, uh, cell phone number since high school. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, I wonder, it's sort of like, I'm really, I guess I'm really easy to get in touch with. So if anybody didn't like me, they could easily just find me. Yeah. Uh, is it a, is it a similar thing? <laughs> a similar thing uh, with you? Very few people make the attempt. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, that's good. That's something to be thankful for. Um, mm-hmm. uh, first, I want to talk about um, uh, blocked and reported because um, you're a uh, you're a co-host with uh, with Jesse Single, and. I know, I know. I, I you gotta, you gotta get rid of that guy. You gotta yeah. go solo. You, you know yeah. the, the, uh, the, you gotta be the George Michael to whatever <laughs> this wham bullshit is. Um, but uh, I, I remember. Uh, how did you guys first meet? Did you guys like connect via Twitter? Was that like what brought you guys together? Yeah, we connected first via either Twitter email. I had read Jesse's reporting. He was at the um, at the time he was a staff writer at New York Magazine, and I was a staff writer at The Stranger. And I read his reporting on some issues in uh, in gender medicine, and his reporting was very good. And it was also very different from sort of what you would normally read. Um, Jesse he took a much more, I think, scientific and, and evidence based approach in his reporting. Um, then, then a lot of the, the mainstream coverage at the time and, and, and since then. And then I was working on a piece on detransitioners, so people who transition from one gender to another and then tra- change their mind and transition back. And so I reached out to Jesse because I wanted to interview him for the piece. And he he said, no, he rejected me because he was working on a piece of his own, um, which would come out a year later. So that's how we first uh, that's how we first met each other and then became friends online. Yeah, He's my Internet buddy, basically. Yeah. Well, and now business partner. Yeah. Well, well, one thing I have to say is um, I'm, I'm very happy that, that you two met for one. Uh, your program is, is great. 
Um, but also uh, when it comes to Jesse and, and Jesse, I, I consider uh, a friend we've, we've hung out, we've had dinner. Um, he, he owes me money for Mexican food from like a year yeah. ago. Yeah. So, you need to Venmo him, uh, hit him up on Venmo for that. Yeah. I, I, I have to, yeah, I might have to do more than that because yeah. uh, that yeah. 20 bucks has just accrued so much interest. Send um, some thugs to his house. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you his address. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but what I've, what I've found with, with Jesse is I don't think there's any other person out there, at least that, that I know who has people spreading outright lies about them every single day, you know, on social media, going out, going out to the world. And, um, I'm really happy that he has, you know, like a partner like yourself, who's willing to, you know, stick up for him, or at least just to ask a basic question, which is show me your receipts. Right. You know, here you have all these people talking shit about him, same accusing him of, of just some heinous activity. And it's just like, we'll show you receipts. What do you got? Yeah, Jesse, it's it's weird that people make up so many so much shit about him when you could just judge his appearance, his <laughs> voice. There's so many real he has so many actual flaws that the fact that people are constantly making up lies about him. Just look at him. That's all you need to do to ad hominem. Just go right to him. He's like six yeah. or four. Yeah. He's six or four and bad at basketball. He says he's good at basketball, but I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, what, what, what is it though about, I, I mean, it must be, I guess the, the specific topic that, that you guys uh, came together on. I mean, that just seems to bring out, you know, kind of the, uh, the worst in, in a lot of people. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it. Oftentimes, you know, Jesse and I, to a lesser extent, we will, we get attacked by people who, you would think maybe would be focusing there on their their energy on like legislators and mm-hmm. and right wing states who are doing things like trying to get um, trying to ban puberty blockers for adolescent children or you know underage adolescents and adolescents and children or you know people with actual power and instead they oftentimes go after Jesse and I and I think part of that is because Jesse and I are both of the left we're both liberals sort of boring liberals. And there's something about uh, when people on your own side are diverging from the commonly accepted narrative that I think is more threatening than when people on the opposite political side are doing it. And so both of us, uh, Jesse more so than me, um, are get a lot of vitriol from people who we probably agree with on 90% of, of policy positions. But these uh, these narrow disagreements can get extremely heated and the attacks can yes, get extremely personal. And it must make for for strange bedfellows. Like, uh, you know, suddenly it's like you know you're a person, uh, you're you're a liberal, and now suddenly you're kind of being courted by like, here's the conservatives that are you know coming totally. and, and following me and 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 all that. Now, I for, for me, I just think that's okay. That's that uh, normal. I guess you build a, I don't know, coalition building or something. Like, oh, we mm-hmm. agree on this, so maybe we could work together. Or you know, uh, if someone's a big free speech advocate, I don't personally give a shit. If they're a Marxist or a communist, it's like if we could work on that, great. Um, but I guess, I guess nowadays that kind of uh, that kind of thing is uh, to be something to be frightened about, or at least some people are. Yeah, certainly we have. I think 
my experience, at least, is that a lot of um, libertarians and more social conservatives follow me than I think and read my work and listen to the show than I ever would have expected because I've always been just sort of a boring liberal and I, you know lived in liberal cities or sort of stuck in my own echo chamber, um, which has been a really interesting experience and has really taught me quite a bit, including the fact that you know conservatives are not all evil or stupid, which is something that I genuinely deeply believed for most of my life. Um, and, that, you know, this isn't particularly new in the sense that, like, in the 1970s and 80s, radical feminists were teaming up with conservatives to try to ban pornography and things like this. So there is this. So people, yes, can disagree on broader issues uh, and come together across political lines. Um, I'm not an activist myself, so I just try to sort of follow where the data goes. Um, and I try to ignore tribal alliances um, because I think that it, that makes for more accurate reporting. Yeah. Well, I think you definitely um, helped out the um, uh, sticker game over the sticker industry, because <laughs> I guess in your in your hometown, people were putting up stickers like I don't know what the hell they were calling it, like, uh, well, I guess, what, turf and, and stuff yeah, like that like, all over this, your town. Yeah. In Seattle, there's a bunch of stickers calling me transphobic. One calls me a Jordan Peterson apologist. So that's especially embarrassing. Um, there's a picture of, uh, of my face that calls me a Nazi sympathizer and they used a good picture. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. And, and I think the irony of that is that if people actually want to know what I believe, I do believe in, in trans rights. I have, uh, probably I have more skepticism of things like puberty blockers and adolescent transition than maybe a lot of my political allies. But when it comes to law, you know, I don't think that anybody should be discriminated against for their gender identity. I don't, you know, I don't misgender people. I have, I literally do have trans friends mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, I'm gay. I'm, you know, in the LGBTQ community, which doesn't really exist. Um, but my identity did not protect me in Seattle. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. When it comes to the uh, community, um, uh, I, I was always, yeah, I was always questioning that, like, because I know that there's like, there, there are gay bars and there are lesbian bars. And I know gay bars, that's where straight women go to ruin yeah, gay bars. Yeah. Do, you guys, parties. do you guys have that? Like, just straight dudes showing up yeah. at, like, at the lesbian yeah. bars. They like just want to talk about football. Um, you know, there's so few lesbian bars left. I think there are, there's something like a dozen actual lesbian bars left in the country. And part of that is, you know, I think that uh, because of the normalization of homosexuality, people don't need these segregated spaces as much anymore. You can meet people on apps. You can go to regular bars. But part of it is also the fact that lesbian lesbianism lesbian as a term has kind of gone out of style and more and more people have adopted the label queer. I've written about the, the fact that the non-binary and trans man population seems to be, we don't have a great data on this, but seems to be spiking, at least from my anecdotal experience, from observing many, many, many people in my own uh, communities and people I know and have been friends with have transitioned within the last 10 years or so. Um, so there are fewer lesbians <laughs> going around as people, you know, it's sort of, it's old fashioned to be a lesbian, you know, it's hip to be queer. It's not cool to be a dyke. I mean, uh, being a lesbian is kind of like having a Yahoo email. So, <laughs> ah, good point. You're gonna good hold point. on to that. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, but when when because I remember you know you're writing uh, talking a lot about uh, you know women having like top surgery, um, and uh, uh, is it, I mean is there is is there like a I don't know an anti-breast kind of thing like what you know what's 
that about? It's, you know, this is all I'm speculating here because yeah. I personally have not had top surgery and I don't plan on it unless I have cancer. Um, I, I have thought that this would be very, that it would be very ironic if I, if I got diagnosed with cancer and had to have a double mastectomy and had this, had this male looking chest that I have com- complained about so many people adopting. Um, I think that what's happening is a trend. I think that there is a social contagion when it comes to lots of human behavior. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. We can see it in fashion. We can see it in the dog breeds that people use and the names that they give their children and the foods that we eat. Mm. Humans are, a, we're a social animal and we mimic the people around us. And, uh, and there are lots of positives to that. But I also think that in this particular case, I think that what we're seeing is a, is a very wide social contagion. Um, and of course, people don't like it when I say that, but just from my own experience, I don't have a spreadsheet. I should probably keep one, but the number of, and the language gets complicated here. I'll say female instead of women. The number of, of natal females I know who once identified as lesbians or dykes or especially butches uh, who have transitioned in the last 10 years is just really incredibly high. It's probably a third to a half of the of the lesbians that I know. Um, and that's not, there's no like there's nothing in the water that should make that happen. And I just think if you look at the rates of, of trans identities over time, it's just, it's really unlikely that all of this is coming from some deep, the story that people uh, discover in their thirties or forties. Yeah. And, and it just seems like it, it, it took so long, um, you know, for, you know, uh, gay people and lesbians who are, you know, to be accepted culturally. And there's still an argument about whether or not, I mean, you guys, you know, fully, fully accepted, but it just seems like, uh, it seems like there there hasn't we haven't had that long enough where it's like every, where it's like my daughter's gay and we're fine with that or my son's gay we're fine with it it's sort of like that that came and went and now we're on to you know this this new thing well there's a lot of I think there's a lot of cultural cachet with for instance in liberal communities being the parent of a trans child and I'm not saying that I'm sure this happens but I think it's probably rare parents sort of pushing their children in that direction. Um, that does happen in like deeply homophobic places like in Iran, you know, it's illegal to be gay, but you can get, you can get uh, gender reassignment surgery, I think paid for by the state in some cases. Um, So I think that's part of it. There's this idea that, you know, well, I think that part of it is that within some people, there probably is some, you know, uh, some internalized homophobia, it's better to be a, uh, or misogyny even, uh, you know, it's better to be a man than it is to be sort of a, a butch woman. I think that's part of it. Um, I think some people are transitioning because of trauma. Um, I, I think really a bigger part is just that people are doing it and then more people do it and then more people do it after that. And uh, that's just kind of how things work. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like, and, and when it comes to a, adults making decisions, you know, I, I just always hope that whatever, you know, whatever transition they're, they're going through, I hope that it just makes them happy and that they're able to live, you know, mm-hmm. happy lives full of love and, and all that. Um, but something that, that I saw the other day, uh, I think it was like a TikTok video and it was a, a trans man, I guess, um, natal female uh, who transitioned and um, he, he had top surgery. So, so no breasts, but he was pregnant and he was like yeah. three or four months pregnant. and you know, um, I'm, I'm, my, my wife just gave birth, uh, to our, our second son. He's, he's three months old. So she's, uh, breastfeeding. It's like, you know, breasts are pretty important when it comes to take, you know, rearing your children and taking care of that. It, it seems, um, for me, that's almost that, uh, 
that was more odd than like, oh, bro has a has a beard and a mustache. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's something uh, there's something I think right now at the point that we're in in, in society that is disconcerting for a lot of people to see a, a, a what looks like a pregnant man. It's yeah. it's weird. We don't expect that to happen. Um you know, I uh, I don't really want to comment on on <laughs> on the internal motivations of somebody sure, to sure. get off their breast, but but you know, I can understand why it, it strikes some people as well. This is weird because it is weird. It's it's totally new within our within our society, and people say like repeat repeat platitudes about like how trans people have always existed, and I think that's true. Uh, but it's not true that you know for like there were you know you would turn on TikTok and see a pregnant man. That's all very new. And of course, there's going to be some discomfort with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you see like any of this like kind of turning around? Do you think is there going to be like kind of a a Jurassic Park of lesbians where you know we? Yeah, you know. I mean, I think that this will be. I think this is cyclical, and I think that unfortunately, what we're seeing right now is the progress that has been made and in, in terms of LGBTQ rights. There's also a backlash that I think we're seeing right at this moment. Um, in various different states, bills uh, to to limit to limit people's rights, and, and it's complicated. So you sort of have to look at the individual state and the individual law uh, to comment on whether or not they're good or bad. But I, I I do think we're seeing backlash. Even support, if you look at polling, support for LGBTQ rights and LGBTQ people has gone down in recent years. Oh, really? I think part of that is because there there is this extreme element, this extremist element that you mostly see online. And I think you mostly see it within the trans community of redefining language, um, trying to, if not criminalize, at least socially sanctioning people for using terms like male and female. Um, I think there's a lot of biological denialism. Um, You see people, there's these sort of platitudes, you know, people will chant things like trans women are women, the, the, and try to shut people down who disagree with that stance. The non-binary thing is, of course, very huge. Mm. Um, and so there, I think that what we're seeing now is, is a really unfortunate backlash that has come from sort of the extremist wing of, uh, of these activist groups pushing uh, for things that everybody is not down with. Yeah. Um, what was it recently? The, I guess one, of the, one of the guys from The Daily Wire was on Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, did you say Matt? I, I forget Matt Walsh. It. Yeah, Matt, Matt Walsh, and uh, I guess it was Matt Walsh uh, debating a uh, a non-binary person or a trans. I, I forget how they how they identified, um, but that was the first time that I saw something like that. I guess on a on a, on a morning yeah. TV yeah. show. You know, it was a pretty remarkable clip. So Matt Walsh, who's of course very conservative is sort of repeating the line that radical feminists and gender critical feminists have said for years, which is basically like what is a woman yeah. and these, and these non-binary activists who are trans non-binary seems like a contradiction, but a lot of people identify that way. Um, basically say we can't identify women. We can't like, it's all, it, like a woman is in the eye of the beholder. Um, yeah. It was a really, a really striking clip. I think, I think Matt sort of intellectually got the, got the better of them, yeah. even though the audience seemed to be against him. Yeah. And I, and I don't think the, uh, I don't think they did themselves any favors afterwards saying that they felt like um, I forget how these that they felt unsafe uh, yeah. or they felt, yeah. um, you know, because, you know, obviously if you, you know what, like all the civil rights movements, um, you're going to have to be able to debate your case in, in public to get the public on right. your side. And I mean, anybody watching that clip, obviously they, they can see that Matt Walsh is um, pointed and he was critical and all that, but 
you know, to say that his arguments were somehow, somehow making them unsafe. It's just like, no, that, that, that that's not what, what was yeah. going on there. You know? yeah, there's a lot of uh, redefining of, of terms that used to have a particular meaning lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sure you and Jesse have been talking a lot about, um, you know, misinformation on online and uh, especially when it comes to censorship. Um, have you, uh, what have you been uh, your take on like Neil Young and Joe Rogan and Spotify? And then I hear today, Barry Manilow might be getting into oh, the mix. Really, so, really. This is a great way. If your career is dying, this is a good, a great way to get back in the headlines. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I I think the whole thing has been very interesting to watch. I support Neil Young's absolute right to protest in this way. Mike Pesca pointed this out on his podcast. So Neil Young has some fringe beliefs of his own. Like he's one of these like anti-GMO guys who thinks mm. that GMOs cause diseases that they absolutely don't, don't cause. Uh, he sung a song saying that pesticides called autism. Um, so if you, so applying the Neil Young rule, Neil Young should also not be on this platform. So that said, I think it's fine if he wants to protest. And I think it's also fine for Spotify to choose Joe Rogan in this case, which of course they're going to do because they spent $120 million apparently to uh, to exclusively acquire his content. And this idea that, you know, Joe Rogan is a comic. He is constantly telling people that he's a dumbass and not to listen to him. And he also is absolutely willing to change his mind and to be corrected when faced with the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people who try to get him censored and try to get him canceled haven't listened to his show. They've seen clips, sometimes clips that are taken out of context. And this isn't to say that the guy is always right. He's oftentimes wrong and he has guests on the shows that i hear sometimes and i'm like this is wrong 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 and i don't think people should be getting their health information from joe rogan but i also don't think that it's just it's weird to see these you know heroes of the 1960s and 70s trying to get another a, a comic canceled yeah yeah. I just I don't know. I don't think anyone is coming out looking particularly good in this well, uh, in this battle. Yeah, and one thing that I that that annoys me, and this happens every single time, uh, if you know, say say a famous person uh, says something that you know you don't like, you have a bunch of people who come and say, "Who? Who's that? Mm-hmm. Never never heard of them." And it's like, look, Neil Young is a fucking amazing songwriter and mm-hmm. an amazing singer. From his stuff with you know his solo stuff, his stuff with with Crazy Horse, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and all that the, the man is is a legend. And just because he you know has taken the stance against Joe Rogan and Spotify doesn't negate the fact that he's he's awesome. And in the same way, it's like Dave Chappelle is one of the greatest comedians to ever live. Just because you don't like the way that he treated trans issues in his specials doesn't take away from that. Or if you don't like right. uh, Louis CK, you know, Louis CK's kink um, or, you know, how he handled that situation. Well, the, the guy has been funny. It's, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it, I, I don't know. It just seems like, like a, like a, a go-to where there's absolutely no nuance whatsoever. It's like, yeah, this person yeah. could be fantastic. Well, and if you, if you, if your main concern is misinformation, Neil Young needs to get all of his content taken off of YouTube, off of Facebook, off of Twitter. There's no platform. There's no online platform that isn't going to have misinformation because humans make information. I mean, not even, not even online, CNN, MSNBC, Fox news, your local, your local news network, NPR, 
misinformation is everywhere because people are human and humans get shit wrong. And so Neil Young taking this stand, I mean, I hate to be too cynical about it, but it does strike me as a little bit uh, opportunistic on his part. I mean, nobody has talked about Neil Young this much since his like failure of a, of a music streaming thing, Pono or whatever it was called. Oh, did he have that? I didn't know. Is yeah, exactly. A- exactly. Nobody, nobody has talked about Neil Young this, this much in years. He was the, the, what Jay-Z had title. And then he, yeah. Happened. Yeah. He had a, it was a little, it was a, a music streamer, like a player, an actual like physical player um, oh, wow. that was supposed to be like very high quality and it failed. Um, yeah. And it turns out he doesn't even, I guess he doesn't even own his catalog of music. So he wasn't even able, it, it like, ca- it's not even his, his, he doesn't even have the right to pull it off of Spotify. So he's presumably not getting royalties. I assume if he doesn't own the catalog, some, I think I don't he, know how that works. Yeah. I, well, I think he's able to play live or something like that. Okay. And I'm, um, uh, he know. needs a better agent if he doesn't own his own, own, his own catalog. Or, or maybe he sold it for, yeah, for show true. Because I think Springsteen true. just did it sold his catalog for like half a billion dollars. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's, I'm sure he's doing fine. Yeah. Well, I, I had a, you know, I, I had a joke about, uh, you know, Springsteen's right now writing a song about, you know, this, this guy who had to sell his catalog for half a billion dollars in order just to make ends meet, you know, just, yeah. to, be able, just to be able to live and <laughs> to move you know, out of Jersey. Yeah. To, to find, maybe, maybe this is the time he and Maria, <laughs> you know, could finally, yeah. uh, could yeah. finally get out of it. Um, yeah. When, when it comes to, um, I, uh, it's been tough to about uh, to keep up with Joe Rogan, uh, you know, as a as, as a listener, just because I mean, the guy I don't he, what's he put out like three, four hour conversations a week. Yeah. So a day. Yeah. You know, so I mean, he's pumping out so much material, but uh, I know as someone who's listened to his stuff when it came to covid, I wasn't I wasn't listening to to Joe. I was I was listening actually to like mainstream pundits and, and all yeah. that. Like who are who are constantly changing their mind because yeah. the data that we have is constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, even the WHO, like or or the CDC, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a cloth mask, wear in 95. Like it's constantly changing. Yeah. And and that's part of the nature of the world that we're in and the fact that we're getting more and more data all the time. Um, but this idea that you should just shut that fucking comic down. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe there, it's the the conspiratorial part of me thinks like, oh, if we focus on Joe Rogan and those you know few episodes or clips, then we actually don't have to hold the people accountable who need to be held accountable. Right. Um, because I mean, I, I was one. I was one of those people. I was so looking forward to the vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. I, I was because uh, I have. A baby, a baby at the time, and my parents are, are elderly, and I was mm-hmm. like, "You're telling me if I if I get this, I don't have to worry about harming my family." Awesome, yeah. sign me up. And I was pissed off because well, they, it was a slow rollout, and I remember at one time uh, you were able to, I guess, like jump the line, or if uh, if you were a smoker or obese, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm like, "What the fuck, man!" Yeah. Like, like here I am. I've been, you know, I've been. I've been running, you know, during yeah. this, uh, during this pandemic. And you're telling me I have shouldn't to have done that. You shouldn't have done that. Should have, should have been sitting there smoking butts. I should just smoke, you know, just started, uh, yeah. you know, packing it in. Um, what was, uh, you know, what's it been like for you? I, and, and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you posting stuff about, do you, do you live near like a nursing home or something like that? Like I live, um, I do live beside a, my, one of my neighbors is a, uh, it's not, it's, I guess it is a nursing home. It's a facility for 
old people. I guess it's a nursing home, but it's like a, it looks like it's a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I would like sit in my backyard and I would see people come and like talk to their loved ones through the windows. Yeah. And of course they're shouting because grandpa can't hear them and having these horrible, uncomfortable, awkward conversations with these people who are elderly. Some of them probably have dementia. So I would sit in my backyard and watch that. Um, that was my entertainment during the first, the first few months of COVID. Um, yeah. I mean, my life has both changed a lot in the sense that I got laid off from my staff job at the stranger where I worked um, and started this podcast. So, uh, so in that sense, I've had like lots of changes and my wife is a nurse. So in the beginning it was very scary. Um, but in some sense it really hasn't changed. I don't live in a city. I live in a, a like, uh, I don't know, a small town, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, I spent a lot of time outside in the woods. So that sort of, uh, you know, I wasn't like going out to shows anyway. It's not really my thing. Um, yeah, I, COVID has been, as far as COVID goes, I've been extremely lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like you've been able to, to adapt to it. Um, yeah. Nicely. Do, do you have uh, 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 any, you know, uh, set plans to get back into, you know, journalism proper or what are you thinking? Uh, not really. I have a piece coming out in a couple of weeks, um, but I've done, I've written probably since COVID started, I've maybe written 10 pieces for various different outlets over the course of, you know, almost two years now. And that would have been like three days output when I had a a staff job um, at the stranger. I mean, that would have been short, you know, short, short pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really, I'm able to really take my time and be very selective about, about what I want to work on right now. And it turns out I don't want to work very hard or very often. Um, (laughs) And the podcast is, uh, is sustaining me. So I, uh, I don't have to dive back into full-time writing. Yeah. Um, uh, where do you see, you know, sort of like, you know, future of journalism? Do you think that that's kind of where, where it's going? Because look, you take, I mean, I remember reading your piece in the stranger about Jordan Peterson and mm-hmm. the shit that you got for that, just for going to this guy's, you know, talk and just mm-hmm. saying what you saw. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that you didn't, that, that you didn't say, oh yeah, he, he's definitely going to do like a beer hole push. And he's, you know, uh, you know, people got on your case. It's, it's almost like who wants to deal with that shit? Yeah, you know, and Substack has been really good for uh, for some independent creators at the same time that there's been this hollowing out of institutions. So I think that is right now the direction of things going, the reporter becoming a sort of um, an independent brand, for lack of a better term, um, which will work out really well for some people if you have a big following and for some people it will be a total disaster. Um And I think there's some real problems with that, even though it's been good for me personally, because for one thing, I think free content is great. Unfortunately, free content is not sustainable because the advertising has also really dropped off. Um, So that causes, that creates, you know, tier systems within who can consume media and who can't. So we can talk, we can bitch and moan about misinformation all we want. But if you're putting like great reporting behind a paywall, who's going to be able to get that? So I think that's a problem. You know, there's been this real hollowing out of local media, which I think is a huge, huge problem. This started well before COVID. This has to do with conglomerates essentially buying up small papers and turning them into shells of their former selves or shutting them down entirely. Um, That's a huge problem because, you know, there's lots of small towns in America where nobody's covering the school board or the police or the city council. Um, and so I, what I would love to see is a resurgence of a focus on, on local media, but the money isn't there. The money is in, you know, hot takes and think pieces and 
Glenn Greenwald and Barry Weiss and, and, and people like that. Um, and I don't begrudge them that I, I hope to, I hope to be with them on the top of the Substack leaderboards. Um, but I think in terms of how this, uh, how this movement is affecting the, the populace, I don't, I don't think it's great. Yeah. Um, in our, uh, we also live in a, in a small town and, um, we get like the local newspaper that yeah. somehow finds its way to our door. I've, yeah. I've never, never subscribed to this. I have really? no idea. Yeah. Maybe the previous, the previous owner maybe subscribed and just never updated, uh, updated their address or something. Maybe. But I, when I, you know, when we get it, I'm, I'm looking through it. I'm, I'm like, how is this being done? Like yeah. who, who's going? And then I see, um, there's like, a there's like one steakhouse in town and in the right in the middle of the paper, there's like a, a full page ad for the, for the steakhouse. And I wonder, yeah. I'm like, is this how they're doing it? Like, yeah. is this sort of like a um, Randolph Hearst sort Maybe of thing? The steakhouse. Like, yeah. The steakhouse owns the paper. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. There, there haven't been any complaints in the paper about the steakhouse. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, we also have this weird, this weird thing that happened um, cause we've gotten like a bunch of snow and um, somebody salted our driveway. Huh. And it, huh. it wasn't, it, it's a different kind of salt. We, we started, this is going to bore the shit out of everybody. The first kind of salt we used was, you know, kind of like a rock salt. Yeah. And then that just kind of stayed forever. And yeah. then I switched to a calcium salt uh-huh. that, that, that really disappears. And then somebody's throwing like this blue salt, almost like, um, breaking bad meth weird fentanyl. yeah you and need to put some uh put some security cameras outside your house so you can get down to the bottom of this cult this uh whoever's doing this i know we got we got to do we've renovated this whole house but the one thing that we've lacked is security like anybody did you, you know. was this a covid move or a kid oh, move yeah yeah it was it was a little bit of both it, uh, mm-hmm. we were in brooklyn in a one-bedroom apartment and mm-hmm. um our plans were to move to a, another apartment in the building fix that mm-hmm. up it's a co-op. The co-op uh, said that they'd be down with the renovation. And then six months later, they said no. So then we had to try to sell not one, but two apartments. Oh my God. During a pandemic with a baby. And oh. then, and then me getting uh, laid off. So that was, nice. uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I put all of them together. I tried to get all my problems at the same time. Fortunately. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. If I, if I develop a drinking habit, now um, would be the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'll uh, just. I recommend uh, it. <laughs> um, uh, there's a there's a great sketch for uh, kids in the hall where a guy he becomes an alcoholic, but it's all for like girly drinks. So it's all. <laughs> so he spends his time like you know he pulls out the vodka and then like the grenadine and then he has to get the little <laughs> the little umbrella and you know puts a rim of pineapple yeah. sugar on it. Yeah. That that's, that's the that's the route that uh. Um, that's your future. Yeah, that that's the future. Um, what, what do you, what, what's exciting you nowadays when it comes to, uh, this stuff? I mean, you guys basically, I mean, you guys talk about so much that's happening like online and, and, uh, you know, in the culture. So, um, what is exciting me? I'm excited that Mike Pesca's podcast is back. He was laid off or fired or suspended and definitely suspended from slates. The gist podcast that he created, um, like a year ago, um, after he did not say the N word or say the N word, he made the, so he didn't talking about this is so difficult because we can't say the words, mm-hmm. but he was, he was in, involved in a conversation on his, on the slate slack, 
about after the firing of this guy, Donald McNeil, who was a New York Times reporter who was essentially fired for saying the N-word in a sort of appropriate context, mentioning it. He didn't call somebody the word. And uh, and Mike, got, who was very successful, got indefinitely suspended and, and almost really lost his show because he argued that this New York Times reporter, who was their best COVID reporter, uh, shouldn't have been fired. Mm. And um, and then he was, you know, then he was fired or not fired, but definitely suspended. And his podcast after a year hiatus, he took control of it over it. And now it's back. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm excited about some good TV. I've been watching uh, Yellowstone uh, and Righteous Gemstones. So that's what, what I'm is, into. What is Yellowstone? Okay. So Yellowstone, I think this is maybe the most popular television show, but it's, it's like, it's one of those things where everybody who is talking about succession on Twitter and like works in New York media has never heard of this show, which is on the Paramount network, which I had also never heard of, but it's a very similar, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a show about ranching and it stars Kevin Costner and it's set in Montana and it's so it's this beautiful landscapes, but it's very similar to succession and righteous gem says in the sense that it's basically about a patriarch an aging patriarch and what's going to happen to the, to the family business after he dies. Um, yeah. And so there's these interest. So apparently something like 1.5 million people watch succession every week. And then tens of millions of people would watch this show Yellowstone that critics oh, wow. haven't even heard of because it's sort of a red state show, but it's quite good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, as some, as a, as a creative, you know, who's trying to you know develop shows and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's not that I have a fear of kind of this online bullshit, you know, infecting it, but, but ultimately it's like, you don't, I don't hear about a show unless it's caused like some, yeah. uh, some controversy. And it seems like the only time I hear about anything, it's, it's, there, there isn't enough of people saying you got to watch this because it's great. It's always, yeah. you got to watch this because it's cringy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I also recommend righteous gemstones, which also falls into that category and, uh, and stars um, John Goodman as a, as a televangelist. Um, which is, I think he would like it. It's very funny. It's on HBO. John, I, I just watched, um, was it inside Leland Davis? Is that oh yeah. Yeah. And, Davis, I think. Yeah. So I'm always like, I think like 10 years behind on mm-hmm. movies and TV and all that. So I'll watch uh, Yellowstone like in 10 years, uh, in 10 years yeah. when I'm, when I'm yeah. 50. Um, yeah. And John Goodman has a really small role in it. Uh, he plays, um, he plays a, a jazz musician who happens to be like kind of carpooling with um uh oscar isaac's character and another guy and what this guy's able to do in just like five minutes of screen time is mm-hmm. just unbelievable like he's such a i don't know he's such a treasure i don't think people yeah. talk about him enough how great yeah he's he is. a fantastic actor he really is yeah um let's see i don't want i don't want things to bore out right now i'm gonna have you for a few more minutes and want to <laughs> Uh, we, earlier we talked about you, you brought up like the non-binary stuff um i saw a thing a a uh was a figure skater just came out as non-binary yeah and, I was saying, this was a gay male right yeah and i don't and i don't yeah. like I, it's like there's so much controversy about trans athletes being able to compete against uh yeah know, yeah We're, who are the well, non-binaries gonna compete against i guess just each other it's a very that's a way to win the competition there, there'll be very few of them yeah it, it's like what you know but but it's almost like if we are going to have a you know serious conversation about this it's like well what does the non-binary i you know mean 
uh, in regard, you know, compared to the the other sex. Yeah. I mean, I think it means basically nothing. It's a way of saying that you don't conform to gender stereotypes. But of course, I mean, my problem with the non-binary thing is it's like saying, I'm not a girly girl. And so therefore I'm not a girl, which I think is very restrictive. And it, and it and rather than broadening what it is to be male or female or man or woman, it really restricts it. So I think it's the opposite of progressive. Um, but it's also very popular. Yeah, I think we're going to be seeing more and more people like, um, you know, like Sam Smith, the British mm-hmm. singer came out as non-binary. Apparently now he's no longer eligible for various British music awards because he can't, oh, really? it would be offensive to put him in the male category and he can't be in the female category either. Um, so I don't know how, how, how well people are thinking these things ahead. I he's, mean, it's incredibly popular right now, Sam but, Smith, I, but I think, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, he's going to have a Neil Young moment where he's like, okay, yeah. do I have to go yeah. against Joe Rogan now? Yeah, like, is, totally. Is it, totally. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, I'll, I'll see like um, Jonathan Van Ness, one of the queer eye oh, yeah, guys. Yeah. He came out as non-binary or they came out as non-binary, but called called himself or called themselves, you know, I'm a non-binary man. What does that mean? That is yeah. a direct contradiction. You cannot be both a non-binary and a man. That is the non-binary has refused the whole position that you're a man or a woman or whatever. So I, I think there's a lot of contradictions. And I don't think this like this stuff sort of dismantles when you when in face with even a tiny bit of rigor. It just doesn't actually make sense. Yeah, I, I haven't. My my wife just watched the new season of of Queer Eye. I was a mm-hmm. fan, um, but uh, after a while, I think um, I think Jonathan calls everyone gorgeous, mm. and then I'm like, I don't know if I can trust you, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, everyone's not gorgeous. Everyone not. is not is not uh, <laughs> gorgeous. Um, for for people who who aren't familiar with your stuff, um, you have a a really curly haired dog. I do. I do. He is uh, in the other room right now. I, I would introduce him uh, to the show. He's, how did uh, how did that happen? Is he is he a rescue? Everyone's oh, going to have to yeah, judge. He's a, yeah, I rescued him from a very expensive breeder. Um, no, he is a golden doodle. Uh, I I can I will say this. My wife is allergic to dogs, which is why we have this dog because they're they're the kind of breed that doesn't shed. Um, I am also allergic to dog fur on the couch, so that's also why. So we 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 got this you know specialized dog breed for her allergies, but um, but I also benefit from it handsomely. He's a great dog. He's my he's he's my my little buddy, my constant companion. Uh, his name's Moose. Yeah, I uh, when I was in the in living in the city, uh, I remember I went <laughs> I went into this bar and this guy had not one, but two really big golden labs in the mm. bar. Mm. And so much. yeah. And the, I think the bartender or the manager was trying to tell him like, Hey man, you can't, you yeah. can't bring those dogs in here. And he, and he said, no, they're, they're both um, service dogs. Uh, both, both. both. Wow. Guy- I wonder if he had like two different disabilities and one was for one and one, like one was a seeing eye dog and one was a, like an autism dog or something. I, I mean, he didn't look, he didn't look, um, he didn't look blind because he looked very righteous when, he, <laughs> when he, when he said that to, uh, to the guy, but it just made, it made me think I was just like, Oh my God, these poor dogs. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the idea for, if you're human, if you're, uh, if your owner needs two service dogs, like can he, your owner be expected to take care of you, let alone himself. Yeah. Maybe the dogs take care of each other in addition to him. I, I want to see that sitcom. Yeah. All that. With, uh, John Kidman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Katie, uh, where could uh, people check out your stuff? Um, Blocked and Reported is on all podcast platforms and it's at blockedandreported.org. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kitty Perzog. 
Thank you so much for listening. And again, please order my book, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, on the death and rebirth of comedy. Just follow the link in the description or head over to Amazon and search for Lou Perez, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore. And please subscribe to my podcast. Leave a five-star review. Why not? Sign up for my newsletter at thelouperez.com. And if you want other ways to support my work, you can join thelouperez.locals.com. And of course, be sure to support my sponsors, palomaverdecbd.com. Use promo code Lou for 25% off purchases over $75 and Black Organic Cold Brew, B-L-V-C-K-B-R-E-W.com. Use promo code Lou for free shipping. Thank you.